The Nick Holt Podcast. You're listening to the Nick Holt Podcast. I hope everyone is doing well and staying out of the hot weather. It's hotter than a $2 pistol out there today. At least it is up here in Queensland. Climate change, you know, that's generally what we're told, severe weather warnings. Joining me in the studio today is my mate, Ant the Ant-Man. How are you, buddy? Good, thanks, Nick, mate. Good to see you. You too. We're going to talk about uh, a few things today, everything from health through to Hunter Biden and through to Kanye. I like Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) What about that, eh? (laughs) What was it? So that what, what was said before it? Alex Jones was trying to do a little bit of damage control. Like he was saying, you know, I get what you're saying. You're entitled to your free speech. That's great. Um, I don't like Jew. I don't like Hitler. I like Jew. Uh, I like I like Jews. And Kanye goes, I like Hitler. And then he goes, oh, he starts laughing. Yeah. And this was the first moment for me where I realised, well, hang on, maybe there's no there's really no empirical evidence to suggest that Kanye is a is a black white supremacist who loves Hitler but there's plenty of empirical evidence to suggest that he's an artist that's played pranks on the media for close to two decades now you know I hadn't seen I mean now that I've really tuned into him especially the Netanyahu gag that he brought out just after that in the same interview. <laughs> yeah, talk about that just so people know what, because it was a physic. Uh, we're doing, obviously, as we're doing radio here, it's difficult, but he physically pr- produced uh, a net, like a little net that you'd catch butterflies with, and a bottle of Yahoo milk, and then said, Hello, I'm Netanyahu. <laughs> and Alex Jones goes, You don't like Net- Netanyahu? And he goes, no, I only really heard of him like a week ago. <laughs> I just thought he had a funny name. That's good evidence of that him. That was he's just what would you say? Not trolling, just just taking the taking the uh, proverbial. Well, I mean, who knows what he was doing? I don't. I don't suspect to know exactly what he was doing, but mm. I think that there's some sort of. Yeah, people like to use these terms 4D chess, 5D chess, which is basically a way of saying you're engaged in some sort of information war warfare with your opponent and hmm. psychological warfare, hmm. which the media has been with us for hmm. so long, right, hmm. through propaganda and just blatant lies. So it makes sense to me that, some of the good guys on the opposition, whether or not they're long-term good guys or short-term good guys like Elon Musk and Trump, why wouldn't they play offensive hmm. counterintelligence operations to try and catch people? And Because they know that the media... Trump said it. How many times does he have to say it? The media is the enemy of the American people. That's a direct quote. I know, and... You mentioned Elon with that. So he's, I think he talked about, we are talking about before, how Elon said that Twitter, like you, you were saying, you can't really take Twitter seriously or too seriously. And Elon, what did he, what did he call Twitter? It was battleground, the way he sort of looked at it. 
So you're saying that maybe he had gone into a psyop, let's say. Yeah, I think he has. Uh, well, I think it is a battleground in the information war. Mm. Twitter is very important for the way that the the funny thing about Twitter is that for the last decade, I'd say, increasing over the last five years, is that these hack journalists, you know, we call them the blue tickers, mm-hmm. even though now that they're, they're that was so so good. Elon allowed others to get blue ticks. Mm. Anyone, so they were no longer special. Yeah. These people like bon, Paul Bongiorno and uh, you know any ABC journalist, Peter Fitzsimmons, Lisa Wilkinson, they basically just you know, they were such ordinary journalists that they would just rely on getting their news from Twitter and then reporting it. Is that right? Don't you reckon? Like the entire Trump first term, all they did was report on what he was tweeting. How lazy is that? That is. I didn't take notice of those three or much of a Australian traditional journalism. I remember Paul Bongiorno from Paul Bongiorno Ten News or whatever. I remember him from TV, but I just haven't watched corporate news. And just a hyper partisan. Look, I don't know him as a bloke. Maybe he's a good father, good brother, whatever. Yeah. But just a hyper partisan people. These guys, you know, and and Twitter. Uh, expose that because they couldn't resist. You know, you're thinking something in your mind that you've seen these guys, and they're like, "Oh, I need to give my two cents here." Mm-hmm. Well, do you? You know, like, how often do we do we actually say something good as a, a strong emotional reaction of of, mm-hmm. ang- of anger? Say, mm-hmm. that's made me angry. I must tweet. It, they just look like fools, and 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 that anger I'm getting at is how they viewed things like Trump and anything right-wing or conservative or against their idea of how the world should look. So in that way, it, it really is a battlefield because the journalists, the bad compromised journalists in terms of their at least journalistic integrity was compromised, left-wing journalists control Twitter and that means they control the flow of news, what's news and what's information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get that now, getting deeper into the demographics of Twitter. We were talking about that the other day, how it does skew towards men and over 35s, I think, when I look, as opposed to um, most social media. So the importance of Twitter as a, as a what would you say, as a part of the, is it the fifth estate? The press, yeah, is uh, is significant. Really, I mean, it's Twitter's not something I bothered about. I do a lot of social media stuff for work, and Twitter was something I just put put on autopilot. You can have there's apps that just post automatically for you. But now it's really an interesting platform. I love to have a look look at rather than just when the sports on or mm. something, some event happened. And the thing about, yeah, look, the thing about that fifth estate is that the j- journalists are supposed to hold the powerful people, which includes government, to account. Mm. That's their whole, that's the whole point of journalism, which is typically why journalists were uh, left wing, because traditionally 
back in the day, left-wing people were anti-war, mm. anti, you know, Vietnam. Anti-corruption. Anti-corrupt, yeah. Mm. They, they wanted to, they were pro-arts and things like that. And progressiveness is... Yeah, totally. At its, at its heart is a good thing. I, well, I don't think it is. I, I, I think that maybe back then you could make the argument we're progressing here, you know. Black mm. people are being treated better. Women can get a women can get a gig if they want. Mm-hmm. They don't have to park like three blocks away to get. Some- <laughs> <laughs> True. Was that a thing? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing that on your uh, Gigi Fox. Caroline Deruso. Oh, well, Gigi. Gigi was talking about affirmative action with her. Yeah. Yes, and Caroline Deruso, the lawyer, and goes on Sky quite a bit, has a column in the Daily Mar- uh, Daily oh, Telly. Yeah. She was saying that her mum, she's she's like proper Italian, Jenna, Caroline DeRusso, yeah. and her mum fought for her right to basically just park where the blokes were parking. And that's a legitimate fight to take on. At the workplace? Yeah, at the workplace. And Years sorry, ago. What was she doing? What was her job? Just a, uh, I don't know, actually. I think she was a PA or a secretary or something. I'm not sure. But so had to fight for her uh, to park where the men parked. And she won it. She won it because tough little Italian woman. And this is Australia? Yeah. yeah. In the 60s, 70s or whatever. 70s, 80s. 80s, yeah. So, I mean, that, that that's a fight worth fighting. Um, but progressivism, here's, here's my issue with it, is that progressing to what? Hmm. Away from tyranny, away from stagnation. Which but but is that's the, not how the progressives look at it. Well, today it's, pervert, it's perverted, old argument. Yes, yes. Where that seems to be the role of the left, the role of progressive, progressivism, as opposed to conservatism, which can be solidified too much and it can, it can stagnate into tyranny, into... Too much rigidity, definitely, and and that's why the left, or let's say, oh, so, I saw a video yesterday talking the difference between the left and liberals and conservatives. I hadn't thought about that. But Jordan Peterson talks about that too, where we've got radic the far right, and we know where the right can go too far. So let's say, nineteen thirties Germany, mm-hmm. and then his question, Italy. Italy, where, where does the, when does the left go too far? And we haven't, no one wants to talk about that, where it seems pretty obvious, which is 20th century Russia. Absolutely. But that's... And the not- Jacobins, French Revolution, like the left leftists, Argentina, the dirty war. Um, you know, left-wing leftists have a history of as much violence as as the right. I mean, mm-hmm. the term right and left are a little bit... They're just a bit too 1984-ish for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Control, if you corrupt language, you control thought. So get pro-life versus pro-choice. <laughs> Which one are you... Well, I'm not going to have that discussion. False dichotomy. Sorry, yeah. There's, uh, my answer to that is too nuanced. I'm not going to give you a, a sound bite so you can then put me in a category of whether you, you're, I'm, I'm one of your tribe or I'm not. Yeah. That's how the tribal mentality. Yeah. 
and, and that's pushed on us constantly through the media. Mm. There's so, Gigi mentioned there's so much exclusive divisiveness, as in exclusive groups, it, gays versus straights, trans versus gays even in that, you know, um, white versus black, men versus women. All this stuff is, it, all it does is just murky up the the, the water. It, it, it blocks the dam of 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 how we should behave with each other naturally, which is that you judge a person not by their... Colour of their skin. Yeah, you can... Yeah, I, I came <laughs> up with that. <laughs> Once I emancipated the blacks. <laughs> well, that, I think there's a divorce between liberalism and the left. Is that exclusionary identity politics? Yeah. Which has got into like all, what's some of the symptoms? What you mentioned there, um, all black uh, university dormitories at Harvard, I think, is a thing now. Is that right? Yeah, so that sort of segregate segregation now is seen as fostered by the so-called progressives, where that seems to be retarded. It seems that they've gone. Or sort of, and that's going back to... Sorry, you're right. Yeah? Sorry, going back to what? Going back to how um, without the left or without the left, well, let's say without progressivism, we can stagnate into tyranny. That seems to be where this is going to head to with this seg- segregation, let's say. Absolutely. Here's a... You're, uh, a university in Washington State has become the latest institution to create segregated housing exclusively for black students. The fourth floor of the Alma Clark Glass Hall dormitory at Western Washington University in Bellingham is reserved specifically for its black affinity housing program. It's the latest liberal school to segregate students by race, joining the likes of American University, Stanford University, University of Colorado at, Bol- at Boulder and Cornell University. Um, was that September last year? Yeah, September last year, which is... Yeah, I mean, that's just extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, this is... See, this is where I would say progressivism... This is late-stage progressive. This is it going to hell. That's the problem. Yeah. It, take it where, where it was. And that's why I think the conservative argument back in the 60s and 50s hmm. was still the right one. We can't lump in neocons and these guys with like Nixon and Kissinger and with good conservative thought and policy, mm-hmm. Barry Goldwater. Uh, if you don't have that, you, we need some rules in society. Like we need some, it needs to be a paint by, which is why for Christians um, it's, a, it's a paint by number with the Bible. It provides some framework to mm-hmm. live within. Blueprint? Yeah. It just stops you from... It's like scaffolding, you know. Mm -hmm. Whereas progressivism, it's basically just unfettered freedom to do Mm. whatever you want and you should have the right to do whatever you want. And unfortunately, that's progressed into some of the worst policy in the world in terms of hurting black people. Mm. Inner city policy, like... Even things like affirmative action hurts black kids because mm. they are only ever going to be seen as that, as being a Stanford alum because they got in there for being black. Mm. Um, it's developed a 
we talk about crime and crime and punishment and law and disorder. Mm. It's a it's a disaster. Like you've heard my podcast with Charles Murray, Doctor mm-hmm. Charles Murray. Mm. Two truths about race in America. The second truth in that book is about crime, and, and the reality is that blacks are committing um, way more crime than white people. Mm. But it's black on black crime mm-hmm. because. They're, they're living in ghettos and this mm. is what progressive policy has done for them. Mm. Their crack came in, you know. All this, this, once crack came in, then the arrests started mm. and they put them, started locking them up in jail. So you got, you know, multi-generational jailbirds, kids without dads. The Democrat Party is the party of segregation. Biden was the champion of that policy. I think it was yeah. the difference in jail terms, sentencing between normal cocaine, is it, and and crack? Yeah, like that. Fun, why'd, funny, why'd you do that? Funny how it came three sixty for the Bidens on that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What about where he was weighing it up to show the the prostitute that yeah you know, she was she was selling him some crack in one video, Hunter. Hunter. Yeah, no, I haven't seen. In it. one video, there's a prostitute selling him crack. And he's got his scales out and he's like eyeing it off down to the... Oh, no, he was selling crack to her. And it was meant to be like 2.7 and he was like eyeing it off down to... He got it down to like 2.6 just by eye. Like (laughs) He was good. He was good. He was good. (laughs) One thing Hunter was very good at was smoking crack. (laughs) I'm I'm like... Whether... You know, that's not not a good or bad thing. But, well, it's a bad thing. (laughs) One thing he was good at. What's what are you really good? What what are you really good at, son? Um, fixing dishwashers. No, he's he's unbelievable at it. What's Hunter good at? Smoking crack. World class. He is. He'd win the the crack Olympics. <laughs> so what about this with Hunter? Now that we can segue into this, uh. I mean, I'm continuously blown away by this story, mainly because. I'd been covering it since the... This is the Hunter Biden laptop story. I'd been covering it since the Chuck Grassley, who's the senator, started looking into it in September 2020 in the congressional hearings. September, right. They'd had all the information. Like, they they were grilling them, but they couldn't do anything. So New York Post had broken it? No, 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 it was just a congressional inquiry. Okay. Yeah, Grassley, Chuck Grassley and uh, some other... One other senator, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then the laptop story broke. Mm. And for a second, I didn't even, for, for a, you're probably the same, I didn't for a second think, question the um, legit, illegitimacy of that. <laughs> it's a physical laptop with emails, with mm. photographs. It was all there. Mm. It was a slam dunk. Well, it's easy to verify. It, it had been verified yeah, by, by the Post. Yeah. And I noticed that the, they never sued the Post. Yeah. <laughs> or even said that it's not true. Yeah, Joe's just like mocking reporters for asking the question. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man, are you serious? You want to ask me about my kid? Don't be like, don't be like one of those guys, man. He's the <laughs> ultimate bully. He would have been a fucking bully when he was younger. Mm. Just a just a pig of a pig of a bloke. But Hunter, the fact that now, so then I interviewed Miranda in in April or something, twenty twenty one. And honestly, that interview just blew my mind. What what Miranda was saying, what blew my mind was what they had had evidence of doing. But secondly, 
no one gave a shit. <laughs> no one cared, as in in the media. Hmm. It was, wasn't getting any any coverage after the election. It just disappeared. Even on Murdoch? No, they would still drip feed out stories that Miranda wrote. Yeah. They, but, but they got, oh, fuck, the Post is just a right-wing rag, you know. So does, Murdoch doesn't own New York Post? Yeah, he does. He yeah. does. But, and she works for Sky? She works for... for, for she works for... New, they all work for News Corps Corp. as the contracts. But she was disparaging... That's, she spoke disparagingly towards New York Post. No, no. Okay. What, why do you say that? Oh, just what you said then. Before I thought you were quoting her. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I was saying, like, no other organisation yeah. was covering it. Yeah. Not even our news or anything. It's just mm. like, look the other way. Look the other way. Mm. And... And Miranda was telling me things like Joe's, like, individual stories of emails and stuff. In such and such, Joe went to China and flew on Air Force One. Hunter went and flew on Air Force Two Mm -hmm. then met with a little princeling of the CCP. That's what they call them, little princelings. In the hotel lobby. In the hotel lobby. And uh, managed to ink a a deal for, a hedge fund deal for, or a private equity deal for, um, for a billion yeah, the J- was that on Gigi with you and Gigi? We're talking about it, that JP Morgan hadn't been able to. No, that was Miranda. Miranda, okay. No other, no other firm could could land could, it. And as Miranda said, no other firm, uh, JP Morgan couldn't get it done. But somehow Hunter and his hapless band of yeah. you know misfit <laughs> pulled off the biggest deal in history. Yeah. Um, but now it's it's still at the point. This is how effective the disinformation campaign was against it you know it's a russia it's russia it's russia it's russia look how hard we're having to work now just to get the truth out in front of people about how serious this we're talking about the the current president of the united states using his position while he was vice president to do, to uh influence pedal mm-hmm and make money off that influence. So basically selling the White House to the highest bidder in, like, Russia, Kazakhstan, China. Was that the same deal that um, President Biden was saying that you're not going to get the billion unless you arrest that guy? Yeah, that's the one. That's the same deal. That is that. And son of a gun, son of a gun. Son of a gun broken. He he looks at his watch and son of a gun. (laughs) He signed the deal. That one. Just openly talking about the highest level of malfeasance in like this stuff. Someone said it the other day. It makes Nixon look like, like you know, stealing a candy bar. Mm. This is so serious. Yet, because we're in an information war, and, and there's, there's, as Lionel Hutz would say on The Simpsons, there's the truth, and no, there's the truth, mm. and. The truth. <laughs> you know, there's two versions of the truth. And so the information overload provides the cover for, for them to get away with it. Yes, information overload. Hmm. That's how they think. That's how people who use the media think. Hmm. Trump uses the media. The media doesn't use Trump. Mm-hmm. The Clintons use the media. Whether Whether or not it's... Clearly, Trump doesn't do it with their, as in a, a mutually beneficial deal. Mm. 
he just knows how to do it because he's been doing it since the 70s. And when they first reported on... Trump was the darling of the media because, you know, he was, he was rebuilding New York, he did the skate rink. Hmm. Well, New York, it's a shithole now apparently because of crime, but it has a lot to owe Trump, modern, modern New York. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, in the 90s, he divorced Marla Maples and that the savage they went after him you know like invaded in his private life the, the, it was the tabloids every, yeah the tabloids about the divorce and from that point trump changed right so he said okay i'm going to i'm going to flip this and use it to my advantage because that's just how it is you scumbags basically you fucked me over you did this to my life my family you're my enemy i think it was ray cone was his roy cone yeah roy cone i think he Influenced him a lot in that how to maybe play the game. Oh yeah, in business and media. Yeah, he was by all reports um, an absolute pit bull. That guy, brutal, brutal. <laughs> he was brutal, ruthless. Of, there's no photo of the bloke smiling. Yeah. He's just <laughs> looking straight through the back of his eyes into like, the depth, the depths of Hades. Yeah, the depths of Hades. Yeah. So anyways, these Twitter files, it'll be interesting to see. I think what they're doing is the right thing. People are saying, I just dump it all, dump it all, put it out now. Mm. I don't think that's the... I I really don't think that's the right thing to do. I I think that's why the New York Post story didn't um, take off like it should have. They dumped it all at once. And that's too much information overload for people to accept such a big story. Oh, and I'm thinking it's more of a grabbing by the pussy moment. That the timing of it was October, where it hit locker room talk just before your locker room talk just before the election, within three weeks, let's say. So, and there was active noise. It was active disinformation. It was an active um, FBI. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. So, like what program what? that came out rather than it just being too much for the public to handle at one time? Well, there's two things there. One. The FBI, we know now for a fact that the FBI had someone inside Twitter. Mm, Jim Baker? Jim Baker. And he was working directly for the Obama administration mm-hmm. and then the, the Biden administration to basically tell them, censor that person. The famous case here, and it's going to go to court, is James Woods. James Woods? Yeah. Who's that other journo that just won? That broke a lot Alex of... Alex Bernstein. Bernstein, yeah. yeah. James Woods. I was following He's brilliant. James Woods. He's brilliant. 2020, 2021. Some of his movie was Blue Thunder. No, I Oh, there's he play. Anyway, it's a couple of, couple of great... I just love films. I remember him mostly when he did a cameo on The Simpsons and he... <laughs> he goes into the quickie mart yeah. and gets gets a job because he's playing the role of a quick of a convenience store <laughs> and he wants to immerse himself in the character yeah. and that Jimbo Jones you know the, the the bullies come in yeah and he goes thank you have a good day oh wait 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 come back come back <laughs> did you really believe that have a good day or <laughs> and he goes let's do that again I'm, I'm me and you're you and Jimbo I'm me and you're you. Hey, hey, don't jerk me around, kid. <laughs> uh, he's a warrior and he's in a big fight now. Uh, there are a lot of these people that got 
just banned and sent. Like it's mm. it was blatant political influence. So he was banned from Twitter. No, but they were. I don't know what the story there. I think that they were censoring him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Jim Baker. It's interesting how Jim Baker survived the Musk purge. He didn't. Well, he did. Well, yesterday or this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. But he. Oh, yeah. Good one. point. Shows you how clever they were. Who to get them in? Get him inside. Hmm. They didn't get. Yeah, I wonder because that there was that Indian lady who was on Rogan with Tim Pool. Oh and yeah, Vijay. Dorsey. She's in big trouble. So she got booted first day. Yeah, she's in big trouble. She's looking at chapter. I don't want to quote. I think it's um, 104 of the Constitution for for um, sedition, treason, and um, subversion of because you know, that's what she did in that election. With the laptop, sorry. Yeah, there's going to be there's oh, going to be nice. serious trials in the future. That's what's needed. It's, it's, it'll happen. People just happen. need to be patient. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing where that makes me cynical that it won't like a Pentagon Papers moment. If we can get to there, there should be enough people to go. Okay, come on, we have to do something. Where I talk to a lot of people and they're like, "What's your, who cares? It's not a problem." Where maybe if we had that level of prosecution and consequences, like the what's his name just broke today, um, Thanos, that scam blood testing. Oh yeah, Elizabeth Theranos. Yeah, Theranos. Her, her Wasn't that a beauty? Yeah, he got almost 13 years. It just came out this morning. She was an ultimate scammer. Yeah. Lowered her voice, spoke like Zuckerberg. And psychopaths or sociopaths? They're arguing? Not someone you'd want to introduce to your mother. (laughs) (laughs) The Nick Holt Podcast. Took him 15 years to build up 45 minutes. This is George Carlin? No, this is Louis C.K. Louis C.K. And it was really shit. And he's... Career's going nowhere. He's playing, you know, and he's like, "It's just a really shitty act," to use his words. And I think it was a radio show or something where George Carlin said, "How does he come up with a new special every year?" He goes, "Well, I just throw out that stuff and start again." And he's like, "How the fuck do I do that?" It took me fifteen years to come up with this shitty forty-five minutes. And then he goes into that process. So it's quite amazing. He sort of discloses how he became a great comic on the back of this radio interview with George Carlin. Interesting. And he, he is a great comic. Um, Louis, yeah. Oh, he's a brilliant comic. I think there's that one... You've seen 2017, his special? Don't think so. I've probably seen clips of it. He was at the height... He was at, like, at the peak of... Probably, he was probably the best comic in the world at that you, stage yeah. in terms of... Um, booking you know Mm. billing and that was before he got me too for jerking off in front of women they never said they didn't want it i'm pretty sure they. he asked first he was very polite but he starts the he starts the gap he starts the whole show with so here's the thing about abortion (laughs) it just divides right he's like and he goes you know it's it's not really a baby. Well, it's kind of a baby. It, yeah, no, it is. It is. It's definitely a baby. <laughs> and he just flips between the two, you know. And he's like, 
it gets to the point where it's, like, it, it, it's, it's totally, it's definitely murdering, murdering a baby. <laughs> and, it, and then he does something to appease the pro-life cr- section of the crowd. And they're like, yeah. And he goes, woo, I love killing babies. I'm going to kill like 12 babies tonight. <laughs> so he oscillates between that. But Carlin, man, like, well, let's play this. Talk about Carlin briefly. Briefly, um, he was one of those. When you were seeing Carlin, you were seeing a a theatrical perform. You were seeing theatre, one man theatre at the end of his yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. The, the stuff that at we the, remember. Or yeah, when, when towards the end. Him. Yeah, sort of nineties, nineties onwards. Yeah. yeah, it was theatre, and it was mm. unbelievable. Like the memor to memorize the writing was just immaculate every word in the hour was needed and worked but you know his one of his I love the most is um, I think it's called on on YouTube they'll call it save the planet Um, and you know he's like yeah he just gets into this angry kind of fed up but correct old character he's like you got people like this around you now. Country's full of them. People walking around all day long, every minute of the day, worried about everything. <laughs> worried about the air, worried about the water, worried about the soil. Worried about insecticides, pesticides, herbicides, carcinogens. Worried about radon gas. Worried about saving endangered species. Let me tell you about endangered species. Huh? Saving endangered species is just one more arrogant attempt by man to control nature. That's Trump doing Carlin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. It's just one more arrogant attempt by man to control nature, okay? <laughs> Haven't we done enough? Leave the, leave nature alone. <laughs> We're so self-important. <laughs> and it's great. But let's play this as we, we were taking a little break before and you talked about Louis C.K.'s eulogy of Carlin. Let's play some of that. Like others, our last guest is an all-rounder actor, comedian, Emmy award-winning writer, filmmaker. He is ranked number 98 on Comedy Central's 100 Greatest Stand-Ups of All Time. (laughs) But what the fuck do they know? For us, he's number one tonight, Louis C.K. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm really honored to be here. I'm, I'm happy just to be here to, as a ticket holder, just to watch everything that's happened. Uh, the Stiller family, and uh, uh, that was crazy, and Kevin, and uh, the uh, guy that looks like Dick Cheney at the end there. Uh, a very, very nice version of Dick Cheney. He's not a lizard, I don't think, but... Um, uh, I, I, I think I can just tell you what George is... Uh, I'm a comedian, and I do what, what he did. And uh, he was the first person I knew that I, that I knew what comedy was. Uh, children love to laugh, but most people that make children laugh for a living suck at it. Uh, clowns aren't funny. That doesn't exist, a funny clown. If a person was funny, they'd do comedy because you make money doing it. No clowns. There's no HBO clown specials if you make a bunch of money. So clowns suck. And kids just look at them and just go, just please stop trying to make me laugh. There's nothing worse than a person who's not funny trying to be funny, and that's what a clown is. A guy waiting for a bus is funnier than a shit clown at a kid's party. So... 
but kids need to laugh. So the first time you really laugh means a lot to you. And I remember my first big, like, grown-up feeling laugh. And I saw George Carlin on Saturday Night Live, and he said, um, he said, what do dogs do on their day off? Uh, they can't lay around. That's their job. And I just, something went off, and I just couldn't stop laughing. And, and I, I, the idea was born in my head at that moment. I want to be funny. I want to be a comedian. I didn't know that a grown person could be a comedian. That's an incredible thing to me. And I had other heroes, Richard Pryor, Steve Martin, uh, Bill Cosby. But George was like me. He was an East Coast a Catholic. Uh, you know, I had something to identify with him. And the first time I remember getting a laugh, I was um, in fourth grade. And they asked the class... Um, they, the teacher said, there are three bones in the skull. What, name one. And I said, the noggin. And uh, I got a big laugh. And I thought, hey, you know, I could do this. I could be like George. So I, got, I started doing, right out of high school, started doing stand-up. Didn't go to college, didn't pursue anything else professionally, really. Started doing stand-up. First time I went on stage, I did a minute and a half, and I bombed. It was terrible. But I wanted it so badly that I kept trying. And I learned how to write jokes. And I just had jokes, kind of funny thoughts. And I, about, I don't know, 15 years later, I, I had been going in a circle that didn't take me anywhere. Nobody gave a shit who I was, and I didn't either. I honestly didn't. I used to hear my acting go, this is shit, and I hate it. But I've been doing this for 15 years. And stopping now is like getting out of prison. Like, what do you do after 15 years of stand-up comedy? How do you re-enter the workforce? So I was in a really bad place. I hated my act. I've been doing the same hour of comedy for 15 years, and it was shit, I promise you. And I was working places like Chinese restaurants. And this is, this is, I was. I'd do a show in a Chinese restaurant where they don't even know there's a show going to happen. They're there to eat. And all of a sudden you'd go, hey, everybody, and people are like, I'm eating. I don't want to be forced to sit in this. Uh. So I was doing a, re a Chinese restaurant called the Kowloon in Boston, in Saugus, Massachusetts. And I was sitting in my car after the show just feeling like, I, this, is, this was all a big mistake. I'm not good enough. And I hate, I, was, I felt like my jokes were a trap. And I listened to a CD of George um, talking about comedy and uh, the workshopping it and talking about it seriously. And the thing that blew me away about this fellow was that he just kept putting out specials. Every year there'd be a new George Carlin special, a new George Carlin album. They just kept coming. And each one was deeper than the next. And I just thought, how can he do that? And it, it made me literally cry that I could never do that. I was telling the same jokes for 15 years. So I'm listening and they ask him, um, how'd you, how'd you, how do you do all this material? And I'm like, eh. and, I, and I hear him and he says, well, I just decided every year I'd be working on that year's special. And I'd do the special and then I'd just chuck out the material. And I'd start again with nothing. And I thought, that's crazy. How do you throw away? It took me 15 years to build this shitty hour. If I throw it away, I got nothing. But I, he gave me this, the courage to try. And also, I was desperate. What the fuck else was I going to do? This idea that you throw everything away and you start over again. And I thought, well, okay. When you're done telling jokes about airplanes and dogs... And you throw those away. What do you got left? You can only dig deeper. Start talking about your, you know, your feelings and who you are. And then you do those jokes and they're gone. 
you got to dig deeper. So then you start thinking about your fears and your nightmares and doing jokes about that. And then they're gone. And then you start going into just weird shit. Yeah, eventually you get to your balls. But there's a whole... <laughs> it's a process that I watched him do my whole life. And I started to try to do it. And I started to think, what do I... Because he says whatever he wants. What do I really want to say that I'm afraid to say? And at the time I was a father. I am still a father. <laughs> but at the time... <laughs> I had started, I didn't take off yet. The jury's out. My oldest is eight. I could still split. So far, I'm still there. Um, I was having a lot of hard, a hard time being a father. And I wanted to say it on stage. And one night, I just, I thought, okay, forget all the old jokes. I'm going to start again. And I thought of the first thing. I said, I can't have sex with my, do with my daughter. With my wife. <laughs> Because we have a baby, and our baby's a fucking asshole. It's just what I was feeling, and I said it. And the audience went, whoa! And I thought, oh, I'm somewhere new now. And I said... And I said uh, something like, I never used to get babies in the garbage, but now I understand it. And they did that. And I thought, I'd rather have that than the shit tepid laughter for my 15-year-old jokes. So I started going down this road, and I, he was always the beacon for me, always, this guy. Um, he always gave me the courage. He says, you know, the, the, the line that Kevin quoted, where he said people that abortion rallies are usually anti-abortion rallies are people who wanna, wouldn't want to fuck in the first place. He, that he opened a special with that at Carnegie Hall. He... <laughs> He comes out on stage, you have to watch it, and he doesn't, he doesn't milk the crowd for applause. He's just, they're applauding, and he goes, they're all going, George, George. And he goes, yeah, 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 I got to get this out. You ever notice the people, <laughs> anti-abortion rallies, or people who want to fuck in the first place? He, and, and most comedians would do, like, you know, a good half an hour of really sweet material and couch that joke in a lot of, but he just had to get it out there. So he set that example for me. And that's the way I've done uh, my act. And, and, and since then, I've done three comedy specials, and I've started down the same road. It's been a massive change for me. I feel uh, every year I've got something to work for. The same, I'm doing exactly what he taught uh, me to do. And on stage, I feel the, a courage to say what I want to say because, because of this guy. And um, anyway, a few years ago, um, I was about to tape my, first, my, my second stand-up special, and he was taping the same night um, in L.A. He taped his last special on the same night that I taped one. And I remember feeling like, this is amazing that I do what this great man does, and that we do it in the same way. And he um, died, and he kicked me in the balls when he died. It really hurt. And then I remember that, and I don't want to be doing this, I'm sorry, but uh, later I was at a whatever, it doesn't matter, and my phone rang, and it was his, it was his daughter, it was Kelly, and uh, I have two kids, and they're girls, so I thought, he's got a daughter, and her, his daughter is calling me, and I know what it means to have a daughter, because I have two, and she's calling me and asking me to come and, and say something about what he meant to me, so that that was a, a big moment for me. I'm very proud to do what George did, I'm so, I know I was supposed to close was funny, but I just, I'm not good at doing stuff that isn't my act, so I'm sorry. Uh, but he was a great man, and, and anything that I, ever happens to me that's good is due to this guy, and, uh, and I can tell you, because I do what he did, that it was really hard to say the shit that he did, and that it took a lot of courage. It was difficult. Uh, so, uh, thanks for coming and honoring him, and thanks for having me. Yeah, great. What a great lesson in... Um 
not just comedy, but how to live our lives. You got to you got to have the courage mm. to say what you what you're feeling and what you're thinking about things without worrying about offending someone. And that's why comedy is the the refuge of that place. And it's becoming harder for comedians to so. do that. So that it needs to not. I think there needs to be more courage. Like Carlin wouldn't be tolerating this stuff. Yeah. I mean, how good is that abortion joke? Yeah, I'm going to tweet that. No. That's that's what I use. <laughs> you know, a lot of things I use Twitter for in terms of my the, the not the. I use Twitter for two things. One is Substack, which is uh, see what you might call serious reporting, mm. but then also my other side is and always has been uh, is comedy and writing. So I'm, I like to test things. I like to test, use Twitter to test things to see what people might be willing to and, and ready to have to laugh to because I'm taking the piss out of it. Mm-hmm. But often it comes across quite dry. Everyone takes things on Twitter as if they're like political decrees from a platform. Everyone's mm. so super serious on Twitter. Mm. That's why it's great. To, I, I break things up with things like jokes that aren't mine that I've just heard when I was a kid or something like today. They all laughed when I said I wanted to be a comedian. Well, they're not laughing now. <laughs> yeah, just stupid little one or two liners. Um, but I'll also say things. That, and these get the big, you know, this has got four, 431 likes and 112 retweets. I said, the Australian people are not interested in climate change. Welcome to country or LGBTQ plus, A plus rights. They're interested in holding politicians, doctors, scientists and media accountable for the crimes against humanity during COVID-19. When was this? So I'll take that as people like this, but I don't want to make them angry. So where's the joke? And there's so many, there's so many jokes you can make. Like you're not targeting LGBT people. You're not targeting Aboriginal people in this. I am targeting climate change mm. in that line, but the payoff of the joke is, you know, these things are insignificant to mm. what's actually happening in the world right now, which mm. is very full on. And if you can find humour in there, I think that's where Carlin sat. Mm. Like the jester. Yes, and, and just holding people to account there. And I studied a little bit of this, like the the importance of the court jester. He was the only one who could speak the truth and ridicule the king. Anybody else does it in court, they won't be in court for very much longer or maybe have their life any much longer. So that's a real thing. The the court jester was... Tell me a bit. I don't know anything about that. The the jester was the truth speaker, the the only one who could speak the truth in court because there was no... He didn't have any responsibilities apart from that was to entertain. And that was the also that was a good check and balance to the king in order to avoid tyranny. So why did the king run. allow it? Why did he? Because if he didn't, then he's he's tyrant. If he couldn't He didn't want to be himself. seen that, yeah. So he wanted to be an aristocrat. Well, just to be a good king. I mean, it could go, yeah, yeah, yeah. go back to the Mesopotamians where they have the, the once a year they'll go out and the, the, the high priest would 
would uh, strip the emperor of his clothes or the king of his clothes of his clothing and say you know sort of ridicule him in a way or, or to say humiliate in a way and say how, how look at who he is right look at who he is now and and how did you confess how you were you didn't live up to your responsibilities as a leader and he'd be like okay well i didn't do this right i didn't do this right but i'm gonna do better next year and we're like, okay and we all go back inside city gates well, in, in Plato's Republic, he says the the uh, aristocracy is the best form of, apart from the Republic, is the best form, most ideal form of government. It's It starts from uh, aristocracy hmm. and then it goes to what happens, according to Plato in the Republic, is that basically the aristocracy loses control of the the breeding pool, the, the plebs get, they just start having, because they're having too much sex and they're multiplying too much. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem for the aristocrats because they want control of the peasants mm. and population control. You know, it's old school eugenics. Mm. So then there's a, a revolution, but then the military comes in and it goes into a democracy, which he also thinks is very good. The democratic man is one of valour and honour and courage and serving his country and military man, right? Mm -hmm. It's when a military state, sort of what's happening in Brazil right now Mm -hmm. that Zero Media is reporting on. Yeah. I I really hope Brazil will win the World Cup because then they're going to be forced to report on it. Oh, that's ace. The, the, The new hand of God. Wow. Maradona 2.0. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, oh, so then it go, said that. So then it goes from democracy to an oligarchy. Uh-huh. And the oligarchs, like in Russia, yeah. just control every. They start to control the voting system as well because, you know, they're, they're oligarchs, they're cheats. Yeah. So the people then revolt and that brings in democracy which Plato says is an absolute fucking disaster <laughs> democracy mm. worst kind any idiot can get elected um, mob rule mob rule total mob rule like 51% of the people could be could vote yes to a horrendous idea mm. just like you know he was heavily influenced by Socrates who Socrates was executed for um, what's the the word is like a Basically, a bad influence on the youth, you know. That was it. Yeah, yeah. and he got executed on a fifty-one percent. Yes, no. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, like it was a referendum. Yeah. Should so we say six out of ten? Should we kill him? Yeah. And how? How? Like, what sort of pop? What I don't know what the, I don't know what the, the size. But was. it was a referendum for, in the population, or was it just the Senate or whatever? I think it was just the Senate, right. but I could yeah. be wrong on that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he said it was just a total disaster because people could look... I mean, look at us. You can do whatever you want. You, there's, there's no, as we spoke earlier, there's no sort of regulation or curtailment of personal freedom from the individual because they're free to do whatever they want. Mm. There's no um, hierarchy or moral structure of, say, Christianity that sits on top, mm. properly sits on top of it. Mm. Um, like America was the republic. It was a perfect creation, you know. And the, I was going to say the Electoral College kept that democracy mob rule in check. That's right. 
So there's work, like there's a lot of. Oh wait, what did you say there? Sorry. Electoral college. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How they select. That's right. Is yeah. it only for president? Or is yeah, it, it's over, yeah. So that that's right. That, like, like some argued that it was designed to keep a person like Trump out. When in reality, it was designed to allow someone like Trump to be elected by all the people that wanted him elected. Mm. Like that's the thing. Or yeah, th- th- these people are so anti-America. The dem the the powerful Democrats and the media and whoever else is tied up in it. Because when Trump got elected, they showed their true colours in how much they disrespect and have contempt for the Constitution. Going after... They just went after, Mm. savagely went after with lies and a democratically elected president of the Republic. Mm. They smeared him. So they have... They're hypocrites. They've got no respect for the office. Whereas Trump has a lot of respect. We'll be making it... Melania will be making a few changes. Let's just say that Barack didn't exactly have a good taste in curtains, okay? <laughs> and the best they could come up with was Hillary, which oh. they have. I mean, the Clintons have a checkered past for sure, like some of their scandals and criminal. I don't know, have, they, have, they, have they been convicted criminally? Of course not. They haven't, but yeah. Definitely. These people get away with it, like the Bidens and the... Obama's and the Clinton and the Bushes. This is well, not just a one-sided thing. Well, Obama, I mean, he's. What did he have before he became POTUS? That Fuck was he was exactly. he was a senator, and before that, he was briefly like a senator, as opposed to Biden, who's a career Obama's senator, a, a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the Clintons are, you know, they've been in politics for some a bit, like the Bushes. Where Obama, I wouldn't put them in the same sort of dynasty family. Like the Kennedys or whatever, they're, uh, I'd say Obama's kind of a flash I, I, in the pan. I disagree. Like. I, I reckon that he's a serious player in the in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the crime world. How, the, pricks, but not pre. the pricks worth like well over a hundred million dollars. Yeah, but that's after. I mean, the the, the office oh, gave sorry, him that. Sorry, I yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. He 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 played the game when he got in. Yeah, the ultimate grifter, Gang- yeah. gangster. Yeah, it's interesting how he's... Uh, he played well, actually, the, He grifted the American people and then he grifted, well, just that. What about his uh, tr- um, trolling of Trump in the White House correspondence dinner? And Trump sits... Like, that's Brilliant. a good clip, isn't it? And then Trump... He just like, sits there. Out and then wins. Took it, and then took, him, took his, then, his job. Yeah. You're fired. Yeah. Um, that, that, if, that, people don't understand how... That is insight pure objective insight into how Trump operates long term mm. I'm taking oh, yeah I am going to run mm. that he, he humiliated him Trump Obama when? that was nasty no president um, should be talking like that yeah yeah. unless I mean, they're Trump there's plenty of other jokes there I mean you always have a comedian that hosts it so why yeah why just the person you can take the piss out of Trump yeah it, he did like five minutes on him he did and just he did and absolutely, and where, where he was seated too was directly in front, yeah, and not that far away. They would have so, put him there, yeah. So that, that's there was a lot of symbolism, or let's say design in that. Yeah, I mean, he's written one of his books, you know, the art of the comeback. Every book, how to bounce back when you do. If people screw you, screw them back. He's got like he's he's, he's had like he's had like forty books ghost written for him. He's had he's had a few, but I'm, yeah, no, you go. I'm wondering how much. That instrument mentioned Ray Ray Cohen. 
Roy. Like Roy, the, the the influence. It's like I think it's a Netflix doc over that they, it's really they good, argue yeah. was he's a pivotal person to influence Trump. Like there was a the pastor who got into Napoleon Hill and uh, think and grow rich, that kind of mindset, that winner and loser mentality that Trump's got. And then that Ray Cohen in... Roy Cohen. Roy. Roy. <laughs> That's the fourth one. <laughs> um, of counter-punching. Yeah. And just go after them harder. It's crush them. Yeah. So what, how much of that is organic Trump versus the influences that he has? I think the instincts are there and then probably he's been he's been raised and coached by, by Ray. Ray. Yeah. Like he's... He has always been, as we're saying, I think the other day, he was a he was a he was a brat in junior junior or primary, whatever. So his old man sent him to military school. He loved it, uh-huh. absolutely revelled in it. Was it West? Not West Point or? Don't know. You said maybe Taps. No, I think it's Tom Cruise. One when he was quite young. It's a good film. It's a military high school okay. drama. At, uh, yeah, he went to one of them, and then went to the Wharton, the Wharton School of Finance, probably. Uh, which he says one of the most, if not the most, difficult schools to get into. <laughs> Wharton School of Finance, which is a, it's you know, it's part of UPenn University of Pennsylvania. Okay. And then he was basically on a building site since he was about ten. His dad. Yeah. Working twenty-hour days since he was a fetus. Yeah, right. <laughs> like people have no idea who he actually is. The people that like him do. Hmm. Um, but the people that hate him have this cartoon image that they've been fed by the media. They're just brain... On this element, not saying they're completely brainwashed human beings, but on, on tr- people call it Trump derangement syndrome. Hmm. They've got an affliction, these people. you know, they, they despise him with a pathological hatred. Orange man bad. Just... Like, I've never hated anyone like they hate Trump. Yeah, I can't imagine someone they've never met, which which is means that they're not nec- they're not ba- all of them bad people. They got psyoped, I think, by whether it was by design or just a, an organic phenomenon. They got psyoped when Trump said they're bringing crime. <laughs> They're bringing drugs, they're rapists, and some, I imagine, are good people, <laughs> which is a totally accurate statement about illegal immigrants. They're not like as in the child smugglers, the drug mm. traffickers, and some of them are, are actually legitimately trying to start a new life. And that just blew up across the, me- the media. Yeah. That in itself didn't, wasn't the psyop. The psyop is the minute the media starts getting on one global narrative together... Mm. And that's all. That's heavy propaganda that not a lot of people can can escape. I see it all the time on Twitter with these. They call themselves the truth seekers. Mm. You know, oh, we're truth seekers. We don't. We're awake to everything. Then something like Ukraine drops, and they all they all fell for it straight away. In terms of this big narrative about how Putin's Hitler, it just dropped off that narrative. <laughs> you know. This is... Remember, the, the blue flags came out and stuff. Yeah. And then I saw it again recently with Trump when Trump tweeted a few things 
in jest about DeSantis hmm. and the whole red wave that the media was talking up. Well, it didn't happen. It's a, it was Trump's fault. And I saw a lot of people who called themselves the biggest Trump fans in the world hmm. just like that ditched him and got really angry towards him. Like I, there's no issue with rationally with going, yeah, fair enough. Look, I think DeSantis would be a better... I think he's the way to go. Yeah. Trump's... But getting... Starting to sort of um, abuse Trump... This, that was post-midterms. Yeah, just right as the midterm. I saw yeah. it with a few people. They, they were, like, angry at him, you know? How planned do you reckon that was? Or, or the possibility that's a sigh-up, um, for lack of a better word, from the left? That yeah. they, were, they were like, OK, let's, let's hit this straight after. Yeah. Win, lose, or draw. What, what's the bigger context here of the, the sigh-up? What's here? This is our opportunity. Or, or, or is it no, just... No, for, for, for what event? And in the midterms, yeah, which part dis- of it? Disappointing, disappointing results, or that had. Oh yeah, I see. Yeah, I, I definitely think it was. Let's sort of get the. I think it support was support for the rhinos. For was it Republican name only sort of thing, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. anti-Trump? Like, Def- do you reckon they had planned that before, or was it a reaction where they thought on their feet? I think they planned it, but I don't think it was the left. I think it was the. Rhinos and establishment Republicans right. that uh, wanted him gone. Because if you think about who drove that red wave narrative, it was yeah. it was Murdoch. It was, was all it? the Fo- yeah. It was all the Fox News hosts in syn- synchronous. Started it, syn- or, yeah, or would ride the wave. Let's say some politician said there's going to be a red wave here. Yeah, I, I don't know the, the chain of events at that point, mm. but what I do know is that all of a sudden they popped up and started. Well, Republicans are expecting a red wave on Saturday. <laughs> red wave. It's going to be a tsunami. Red wave. All this over and over and over. And then it was Fox who, well, there was. It wasn't a red wave. Instead, it was more like a trickle. Sounds like um, it's a, Hillary, 2016. Yeah, it was similar. Hillary's a shoe in. Trump has doesn't have a chance. Blue wave. Yeah. No one wanted Hillary in, not even the. But I think that that was so obvious, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if DeSantis is in on it with Trump, because he didn't actually say anything that nasty. He was just like bragging Trump. I got more votes than DeSantis in. Right, and that was that's what Nate has been saying on the. Yeah, that's. Oh, I think it is because the the tweets were. It got this. It got the reaction that maybe Trump was fishing for, which is. Who can I trust? Still in the let's let's separate the final wheat from the chaff in the so-called in the MAGA. Do you save reckon, America. Do you reckon that Rupert Murdoch doesn't isn't mates with Trump anymore? Like with that Fox was. I don't know if Rupert Murdoch is mates with anyone. I think it's just business. Like he probably called him up and just said, "I won't be backing you." Why? So the, he reckon he's reacted like it's like okay, well this is just a business decision because Rupert Trump's too volatile for these for these super wealthy magnates. But you'd have to, wouldn't you? I don't know. Maybe this is wrong. Oh, this is maybe the argument of that Netflix doco saying that Rupert was a catalyst for the success of Trump to to win in two thousand sixteen. <clears throat> Definitely, he helped. So yeah, where now? Oh, like, it was more Roger. Ailes. It was more Roger Ailes at. at which Fox, I, who yeah. I guess Rupert then like left alone to do his thing. You reckon? Rape women. 
<laughs> and back drum. But I think what happened was that they don't want the, the establishment Demo- Republicans, you know, you, country club Republicans. Hmm are fucking shitting themselves because Trump is is taking the Republican Party off them. And so they're like, you look, you've had your term, you lost, move on. Yep. Right, yeah. And he's saying, I don't think so. And, the, and, and Rupert's an idiot because Trump's clearly going to, in my opinion, take, take back the presidency. I mean, what people don't... I don't care what the media says. I look at what the people are doing. Hmm. You go to any of the, he, he could do a rally in any city, you know, bumfuck Idaho, and he'd get 50,000 people and there'd be cars around the street. Mm. That's ridiculous. Yeah. The Nick Holt Podcast. You reckon um, Rupert's Ron Santos all the way, 2024? Yeah, I do, but I don't think Ron DeSantis has any interest whatsoever in running for president. Really? Nah. Well, where's the indication? Has he, he hasn't said anything. But it's early days. I'd leave it as late as I could. Yeah, Especially but, but, but there's government. no indication. There's no... No one's even said anything from his office. Polls is he's clear number two. But you can't... You can't report on that as... Voracious... Run. As much... Yeah, as, as they have. Yeah. It's not... It's not accurate reporting. And also... It's poll... Oh, okay, also. You can report on polling. Yeah. But... You know, this head-to-head thing. DeSantis has given no indication he's running. Mm. And also, DeSantis is a massive supporter of Trump. He's released... Mm. I don't know if you saw that video. He released a Christmas video. Um, I think it might have been last year or some other video earlier this year. And uh, it was like a campaign video. And his baby's wearing a a MAGA onesie. (laughs) He's a proper patriot. That was 2021. Yeah, like as in very recently. Yeah. And Trump's never said a bad thing apart from it. All he's ever said was it'd be a silly idea to run, which is true. A little bit of banter. It's actually, Ned, probably better off with DeSantis and Abbott down south because I can't think of... Definitely, you need them. those two, like just having those anchoring the south. You need this. Trump needs well. Trump needs them as generals. Yes, that? yeah. And DeSantis is a general of Florida who's young. He think he knows he's getting better and better. Yeah. Why would he just go? Oh, I'll throw that away and go and run for president? Yeah, in, like on a whim that maybe I'll, I'll debate my superior Trump in the. It's just to me, it's total nonsense. We'll go for twenty twenty eight. He'd be perfect yeah. to hand over to. Yeah, with a with Carrie Lake on the ticket. Tossy Gabbard. Well, I don't know if she'll become a Republican. She's halfway there, man. She's also halfway away. But she's... I mean, Trump was a Democrat. Yeah. There's no party in between for her. Whether or not she goes back into politics or does... I think she wants to get into media. That's She's uh, already in there now, yeah. She's yeah, doing she, the guest spot for Tucker. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. I was, is she on Daily Wire? Don't know. Just thought she just sort of uh, freelancing. I think she's just getting some experience. Hmm. Um... And she's doing pretty well for never doing it before, like reading off a teleprompter, Mm. not making mistakes, more importantly. Mm. It takes a long time to get up to, well, good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. (laughs) You know, he's a gun, absolute gun in terms of a uh, presenter. 
what I like about her, I mean, so many things I like about her, but yeah, the way that she speaks, I think she's the only. I mean, Kari, like maybe, but like Tulsi, I could see as president. I reckon she could hold her own. She's yeah. She's um, a bit more diplomatic than Kari because Kari's mm. in a direct fight. Kari's like a Trump, a polished female Trump. And a media animal versus yeah. a military animal. Yeah. And, well, medical, military. That's another thing I like about Tulsi. Can't have two women in the White House. Bloody <laughs> sorority house in there. <laughs> Can't have two. Yeah. I reckon there was no. I reckon Bill Clinton sabotaged Hillary's campaign. There ain't no way I'm going to be the first man. <laughs> Did he say that? No, no. But yeah. <laughs> Purposely. What about Epps, on Epstein's Island? How they recovered that painting of a woman with her legs crossed, with Bill, in a short skirt with was heels, that, with Bill Clinton's face painted onto it. Was that there? I thought that was in his New York, or it may be in his New York place. Yeah. I thought you were going to say they recovered the blue dress. Oh, look, think about that's that's them saying that's how much we own you. Yeah, that's him. Would you want that on a, on the wall of a anywhere? Yeah, you, you with your face on like a woman's body. Yeah, that. Uh, I wonder if that's gonna be ever uncovered. I love the memes. So many little jokes that come out now. It's like. Rah, rah, rah. That Epstein didn't kill himself. So yeah, 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 yeah. So it'll be like it'll be like a short story. Well, and then at the end, and Epstein didn't kill himself. Yeah. It's interesting now, though, that it's starting to connect, like Balenciaga connecting through mm. to Epstein. Like, who knows how deep this cabal is, right? Like, how much the how much in terms of the nefarious activity that happens below the surface. Mm how much of it there is and how mm. shocking it is, I think we'll start to see. Well, widespread child abuse. Yeah. That's in institutional, um, going back decades, if not centuries, and it's hap- and it's arguably still happening. Um, and then I was thinking about this, and then the, the percentage of the population that are sociopaths and psychopaths, mm. which is about 3 to 5%, that there might be some cross... Like we were talking about Robert De Niro. 30 to 50 million psychos, yeah. Yeah, and then that... that I mean, who was it on Rogan talking about how just... People are starting to realise how depraved our leaders are. And so there could easily be... And then Gabo Mate going into the, the tra- trauma of whatever in our, in our leaders how that can manifest like pedof- ped- victims of pedophilia often become pedophiles not all of them but yes. there is that so then that breeds it into nature versus nurture so that would perpetuate the problem and then yeah and then yeah those people are, are very overrepresented in um, the prison population and then homeless population as well victims who then become abusers themselves yeah yeah Pedophiles. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Burr. I'm, talk- I'm talking about pedophiles here, people. You know, they just moved them around. Yeah. You know, I know it's a breakfast show. <laughs> Brutal. Like when Norm MacDonald was on The View. Yeah. Wasn't it true that Hillary killed a guy? And the whole fucking set starts melting. Joy Bay is like, stop that. You cannot say that. And he goes, what? 
I heard it. He killed a guy. <laughs> you won't be invited back on. I thought everybody knew that, that he killed a guy. And it simmers down. Like, I've watched it a few times. It's, it's brilliant. It's, it simmers down and, they go, and he goes, all right, manslaughter. Yeah. <laughs> that is genius, Norm. Genius. Uh, I, I've, the, the thing about all this, like, Balenciaga and... Hmm. I don't follow it like day to day anymore. This like because it's it's just too dopamine rewarding, you know, like hmm. chasing oh the next piece of information. And hmm. but I found that you can actually just check in on this stuff yep. each week or whatever, and it moves along. Like Alex Jones, you can go three months and you pick up a Jones show. And you're like, ladies and gentlemen, today is twenty third of July, and we are on the front lines of the information war. So I just picked up from three months ago, and he's still fighting. So things like that, you know, little treats. Otherwise, yeah, I just don't think it's natural. We don't need to know all those things mm. as human for, you know speaking about the Greeks before, eudaimonia, you know, the, the happy life, the good life. Okay. What makes the things like virtue and all these sorts of things. But it's also about what we allow our, our vision to see. And Christ would say that in when he says, you know, you're the, the eye is the lamp of the body. Be careful with what you look at because That's it affects you. Know, if we look at porn or if we look at, um, if we binge watch a TV series that's, you know, it's entertaining, but it's not advancing us in any way as blokes. I noticed that when I was working in security in Toowoomba, we had a police scanner, and you would just you just hear the worst of the city. Oh, really? Yeah, because there's, there's, you're hearing, you're picking up on the. Well, you're hearing everything that's going down, and we and we knew like the two elevens, like a armed robbery, or whatever, all the different codes. So we had we knew what the codes were, and there was sieges. There was all sorts of stuff that never makes the news. And I remember that was bringing me down. Like I was, what was I, mid-20s at the time. And that was, that 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 exposure to that, to know that that was happening was too much for me. Mm-hmm. It was something that definitely changed me at the time and I wanted to not be in that anymore. So, yeah, I got more uh, respect and, and empathy for police and uh, emergency departments and that sort of thing that nurses do on TikTok <laughs> didn't they take the piss I tell you what there are a lot of nurses the only thing that they that some of them were at the front line of hmm. was the cafeteria <laughs> some of them were some of them were obviously on the battle lines I'll give you I've got a lot of mates that are nurses um, but but some were taking the piss you're not you're not you're not pulling a child out of a burning house it was there. You're not defending. You're not like securing a bunker in enemy territory. Yeah, garroting <laughs> krauts in Verdun. You're doing TikToks and you're getting a national applause in Britain. Remember that the national? That's yeah. great Orwellian stuff. That that was during lockdown too. Yeah, all clapping together like yeah. that is serious mind control. That oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, it was kind of. Who's got that joke about? I, I think it's a joke where nine eleven was the police. Sort of time to be a copper was a elevated position, I think. Yeah, yeah and firefighters, and then war until let's say the invasion of Iraq, it moved to soldiers. Mm. Where with COVID, it moved to interesting. Nurses. Yeah, right. Climate change. See, I think they screw themselves with 
doing COVID first before climate change because now doctors are probably the least trusted human beings in the in the solar system. Scientists, sorry, not doctors. Scientists, so public scientists. Ah, yeah, yeah. They've yeah. just they just they've just been patently wrong, yeah, <laughs> and demonstrably wrong. These and it's all over the internet to see because they were so arrogant that they were tweeting it out and whatever, writing papers, dodgy papers. So if they try and pull the climate change, that'd be the big mass for. GG was talking about this, the ultimate mass formation attempt. I don't. I feel like we've um, we, we've sort of done so much work now that they'd struggle to get away with that. I'd hope. So the the flip of trust of science and moving at the speed of science that one in the EU. Yeah. Right, trust of science. So the the erosion or the so the the cult of climate change has jumped the shark. Who's the cult of science over religion? Instead of a mer- instead of a, instead of a complementary merging of both, like Thomas Aquinas would say, faith faith is uh, always on the far side of reason, but there's a marriage between faith and reason. Faith is always on the far side of reason. Yeah, so reason is the dominant, th- but faith is there. Yeah, it informs everything about a re- religious person's life. It's not just something that's there for ten minutes a day. It, it actually is is your um, it's your engine. It faith, yeah, or yeah. faith, yeah. yeah. It, it it um it's how you view your existence in the world. It, the, it drives that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Sort of like the 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 roots of a tree. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, so these leftists, atheist, wokes. I mean, there's plenty of great, great atheists that that debate well, and hmm. they're not hateful. They'll agree on certain conservative policies. Hitch, Hitchens, Hitch, yeah. I mean, Hitchens. Yeah. People on Hitch, look, I, I, I love Hitch. Hmm, same. I think that people are kidding themselves if they think that he'd be siding with the left if he was alive right now. Hmm. He'd be crucifying them. Well, he, he was the one that backed Iraq war. He was yeah, that that got him excommunicated from the left, and I think he probably did that. The guy was a, like a serious intellect. Hmm. Like you just look at the way he conversed on national television in interviews. Hmm. Pow! Big, big, big intellect. Elite. Oh man, like the goat almost. Yeah, right. And just because he was so, he'd read thousands of books, hmm. and he um. Yeah, I think he would he would crucify all of the stuff that's going on right now. Hmm. But so, anyways, yeah, good and bad atheists. Um, the ones that are, that sort of almost now actively want to prevent the churches from doing things and being just in the past, the churches just existed. Mm-hmm. They're trying to kind of dismantle churches, hmm. so they hate religion. Christianity they hate. So the church is the witches of Salem. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the um the antithesis of, of scientism, which can which leads into transhumanism and eugenics and abortion and yeah. There's no room for any moral argument. Mm. 
this is this is simply a science and a psycho. That's psychopathic. It is. It can lead that way. Hmm. If you, I mean, if your job is a, I don't know, a, a, a chemist, like a not a, not in a pharmacy, a chemist, hmm. biologist, chemist, whatever, then you have to be. Science, science, science. There's no room for faith in that. There can be faith in, in ethical decisions that you might have to make, mm. but when you're doing science, you're doing science. But science now, scientism, has become like it was with the Nazis. It's just broad statements. Mm. Save the planet, you know. <laughs> it's the biggest hoax since, well, including COVID, but it's a big hoax because what does, it even, what does any of it mean? Well... There's no objective kind mm. of consensus that the Earth's going to end in 15 years. Mm. Everyone has a different opinion on it. Um, whereas the, the science is not easily understandable to the public. It's refuted by a lot of reputable science. Even Obama's former chief scientist now, he wrote a book last year about how all you have to do is read the IPCC or whatever it is, mm. like, yeah, read their policies. Mm. And they don't match what the public hysteria is hmm. that's a that's a political thing same with Fauci and his his paper that he wrote I think it was February 2020 or March saying that yeah, look this will be as bad as this will be like a bad flu season but then he goes on TV and says this is 10 times worse than the flu yeah within a month wear a mask don't publish. wear a mask but yeah. just that like obviously he didn't he didn't write that paper he's been attached to it it would have been some PhD student or some sort of researcher. Yep. But his name's on it. He's the head. He's the first name on that. Are these the original emails that they're looking at now? In the, oh, yeah. You know, there's an Aussie guy that I wrote a story on called... Um, Holmes is his last name. Mm. Eddie Holmes. He's in on that email of those 12 where they're saying, well, I'm 50-50 on it being lab. Yep. That's what Holmes said one of the top virologists, University of Sydney. Fauci's the main guy on that with um, one other government. So Fauci's in the NI. H. H. And this other guy was too. Mm. <clears throat> the rest of them were scientists. And they were, they basically were saying, bury the, the, the idea that it came from a lab. Let's get a story in the Lancet. And mm. then Lancet wrote that puff piece saying mm. it's that they later retracted. Ah, uh, yep, yep. Um, so I think it's just a matter of time for this stuff to... The congressional hearings are where pe- people want anarchy sometimes, but mm. it, it can't work like that. It's no. just got to be a slow grind in, in the courts and in, in the Congress to just hold these pricks to account. Yep. And that guys like Rand Paul are just... Speaking of pit bulls, Rand Paul, Jim Jordan, um, Matthew Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene is brilliant at just holding them to, she's not the you don't have to be a genius just yep. don't let them wriggle out of the truth yep. yeah yeah Rand Paul's come out with something about so instead of these omnibus things like um, government shutdowns we've had so many of those over the last few years where we need more money and then the government shuts down and eventually they cave and, the, and he's like Rand's came out and last today yesterday so no no no, let's split it all up into 12 different bills and we'll argue each one rather than this massive debt money increase for the government Mm. that's brilliant that should have been well 
arguably why hasn't it been done before but that seems to be the way out of these ultimatums that shut down their shut down their economy or shut down their their bureaucracy yeah it's got to be done that way and in australia we've got to take control of our, our court systems again it's, mm. it's the institutions can't be torn down they need to be cleaned out like the Brittany Higgins case is, is massive that that guy got essentially what they didn't say because mm. they were trying to avoid public outroar mm. is this guy's innocent and we let him off mm-hmm. so they said no we're not we're not gonna let some mumbo jumbo about we've decided not to have the rehearing right so it was like He's in, he, no one's come out and said Lerman innocent on the front page. Right. In fact, the left wing journal, the blue tick lefties, are doing the opposite. They're like, oh, "I stand with Brittany." That is. They've got no respect for our criminal justice system. Yeah. None. So it's, it's got to start with those sort of cases, and there's going to be a lot of cases. Think about all the shit that's been done to people over through COVID. Mm. All the businesses. All the. the the courts are going to be busy. <laughs> you reckon Australia needs America to lead that? Yes, mm, to, a, to, a, to a large extent. Mm, unfortunately. It needs Trump to lead it. Trump? Well, he's going to. Like, once he gets... Once all this information starts coming out now through Twitter, mm. they're going to... I think this is just a tiny drop in the ocean, this Hunter thing. He mm. can... They can leak information then all the way up to the Bidens through to the Obamas through to the Clintons... Everything these pricks have done. Mm. That's what I think this operation is all about. And if Trump loses in 2024, would that jeopardise that? I don't think there'll be a 2024 election because... What do you mean? Well, they've proven already that in this first batch of Twitter files, one, one piece of proof already that the Biden campaign pressured Twitter to, to silence and ban... Conser- hear me out, silence yeah. and ban conservative voters that would vote for Trump. That's yeah. election interference, right? Yeah. That's just the tip of the iceberg. If they then prove, which I believe they will, mm. all of the stuff that... Think about it, Russia 1, Russia 2, mm. right up to the election, right? Mm. And now, I'm sure neither of us sitting here think that old sleepy Joe Biden, who didn't do an hour, half an hour of campaigning, mm-hmm. got eighty the most votes in US history. 13 million more than Obama or something, 13 to 15 more than Obama got during hope and change. But you're talking about before the visceral hatred and the Trump derangement syndrome that was going on. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense, though, because that doesn't make sense, though, because Trump got the second most votes in US history. In 2020? Yeah, 75 million. And and he got more than... So that's like 10 million more than he got in 2016. Doesn't make sense. But we're on... We're we're what? We were... A year or ten months in the COVID lockdowns. Well, regardless of it, of any of this, I don't know for a fact. This is just my belief on it. Mm. But if we, my point was more, if we start to find these things out, mm. then well, if the election was inter, even interfered with constitutionally, uh, then he's replaced. He takes it back. The one thing that I haven't heard about that you hopefully you know more of is what. What actions did the Trump administration do that was the same as as far as influencing Meta and Twitter to to take down posts or what have you? 
I don't know the extent. I know that they did. Mm. And what, what, what sort of, I wonder what. But it's what tiny. It was. it was something like in the order of several hundred thousand, I think, donated from the DNC to Twitter. Mm. I don't know what year, if this was pre or post election, but it's, it's an interesting fact. So, and then you know how much the Republicans gave? $416. Because <laughs> they knew it was a joke. They, we're not going to waste money on this. On? Twitter. It's totally a left-wing propaganda platform. Yeah, but I just want to know, because like, that's something that I've been trying it to... It needs to be looked into. Yeah, what, which ones both, were... Both need to be held accountable. Yes. But, but if it is just not even... If it's a statistical anomaly hmm. in terms of... What the, the, in terms of the Democrats influencing the result of that election, then they it's overturned. Like within the Constitution, I don't know mm. exactly what. The, the, I'm not a constitutional expert at all, mm. but Trump's. This is why Trump's played by the rules the entire time. He he's played by the Constitution. He respects the Constitution. He knows right down the end of the line mm. when they come to start checking on the paper trails, he's clean. Po- you, politically clean, you know. Didn't you get a... What was the ruling just this week against him? Oh, I haven't looked at that. Some other bogus charge about tax or something. Yeah. They're going after his personal taxes from, like, two decades ago. They're getting they're getting desperate. So that can't go anywhere because it's a lot of... A, Lefties are saying that, well, this is it. Now they're ringing up his now. primary school friends. <laughs> they're fucking desperate. They're so desperate. They just lose every time to him as well. That's the funny part. Yeah. He just consistently beats them. Right, Russia. We had there was Russia, Russia, Russia. Impeachment hoax one. Impeachment hoax two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Let's wrap it up there. Right. It was great to talk to you. You too, as um, always. Yep. And what's your website for marketing? In marketing, as in? Inmarketing.com. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dot au. Dot au. au. And if you want to read high-quality journalism, feature stories, and also episodes of the Nicole podcast, go to nicole.substack.com forward slash subscribe.